from the Wayne Sumner Studio. My recommendation is in honor of the British Bodie McBoatface. It's uh, Sonny McCarface. Broadcasting live in Boone, North Carolina on 90.5 WASU-FM. You're driving and you think you start getting hungry and you're like, oh, I have a Dunkin' Donuts app on my car. Why not I just buy 12 donuts? Around the world on iHeartRadio and WASURadio.com. It's astonishing what you've done. You managed to have a three-car pileup on a road with a speed limit of 25 miles per hour. Right in front of the police station, too. So, uh, congratulations. This is Loopy Radio. This is Loopy Radio. This is Loopy Radio. I'm Loopy. A very tired uh, Wednesday. Specifically, the 17th of April. Uh, next week, next week we have Easter break, which is Monday and Tuesday. So only three days of class after that. But if you're in my major, typically you only have classes Monday through Thursday. So really that's two days of school for me. And then another week after that, and then it's exams. Basically. It's crazy. Uh, There are a lot of seniors here at the radio station who are beginning to wrap up. It's uh, it's an emotional time for everyone here at the radio station. We're uh, beginning the process of switching over the old staff to, uh, I guess the current staff, to the new staff. Everyone's learning their jobs and all the current employees are figuring out stuff that they weren't doing or should have been doing or could have done better as they're teaching someone else their job. That's how it goes. But we got a uh, we got a good show this evening. It's very hot in this studio, by the way. Uh, we got a good show of retail stores. Uh, as you might have imagined, and as I imagined, uh, they're closing all over the place, but I didn't know it was this dramatic. And specifically numbers-wise, uh, this year so far, even though we're only in the fourth month of the year, uh, the numbers are dramatic for... Uh, brick-and-mortar stores that are closing. Uh, in other news, we've got a, a brand-new type of airplane that might be coming out soon that uh, basically flies into outer space really fast, and it comes back. And then we'll take a, a little look into where our good friend El Chapo will be probably be ending up uh, when the judge finally decides what prison he shall be going to for the rest of his life. Yeah, yeah, very very interesting stuff today. But, you know, everything's changing when it comes to where pe- how people shop. Back in the day, you go to the store, and uh, you really couldn't research what prices were like other places. You'd kind of have to know that. Um, someone really could price something much higher if they were the only person in the area that was selling it. And uh, you could do a lot more bartering. You could do a lot more price negotiating. There still is some of that these days, and a lot of times people don't really know that. So they pay the the full price, even though the seller expects to come down in price a little bit. But there really is uh, a, quote, retail apocalypse when it comes to brick-and-mortar stores. By that, I mean an actual, like, building. that stuff's going away. And even things that you see everywhere, chains like Walmart, Lowe's, Target. You don't even see Targets everywhere. 
even these huge chain stores that seem to carry everything of a certain type, uh, they're not necessarily shutting down stores, but they are creating online shops. A very They're trying to get into the online sector. And it's this online thing that's causing stores that we've known forever to start to have to close. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. There certainly are pros and cons, just like with everything. Cons would be uh, people lose jobs, you know, less minimum wage jobs out there, less starter jobs, less jobs for high schoolers, college students to have. Yeah. But also, it uh, it helps the consumer price-wise. Because even if you're not buying something from the Amazon or eBay or wherever dot com, uh, you can still pull out your phone and look at the you know what a price should be for an item. And if you're at a brick and mortar store, you can see, ooh, it's marked up twenty five dollars here. Maybe I should not buy it here. So that's kind of a pro for the consumer. And then there's something that kind of is a pro and a con at the same time, and that's uh, for the introvert. You don't necessarily have to go be around people when you're shopping. Or if it's a more sensitive item you're buying, uh, nobody sees you buying it. Or if it's a surprise, no one sees you buy it. But I guess a, a con would be, uh, I don't know, this sounds kind of apocalyptic, but uh, like you kind of lose the social aspect, right? Do I sound like a 50-year-old? But really, you, you, lose, you lose that like human-to-human thing. And people these days, I feel like, don't give that the credit. They kind of push it off and go like, yeah, you know, no one really... We still see people. And yeah, I get that. But we don't see them as much. I'm Loopy. I'm Loopy. I love it. I'm, I'm currently multitasking to the max. If I was on a TV studio set, this would be absolutely unacceptable. I, I love radio for this. But yeah, brick and mortar stores. I mean, if you uh, if you can get on my Facebook feed I have going for the show right now, I've got a poll up, and it says, how much do you buy online? It's a good thing to think about, because uh, sometimes, you know... If you're like me, you're like, yeah, I buy stuff online. But then if you actually sit and think about it, like what's the percentage of stuff that you actually purchase online? It's uh, it's interesting. And then there's different people uh, kind of have different situations. For example, I would never buy shoes if I can't try them on. Unless it's a pair that I've already had and, like, I know is good. Like, for example, I've worn Adidas Sambas since I was in, like, sixth grade. 
and my foot hasn't grown in several years. So I've been getting literally the exact same shoe over and over for years. I could buy these online. But if it was a brand new type of shoe, I'm not going to buy it online because what if it doesn't fit? What if it's not comfortable? What if it makes my butt look big? Hmm. They can't tell me that online. So, you know, I, stuff like that. And then even my cousins bought a car online through the uh, Carvana thing. I'm a car nerd. I, uh, I dream about cars while I'm driving a car. Like, it, I think about them all the time. It's like I'm a four-year-old. This is why women don't like me. Anyway, I love cars. Uh, I would never buy a car online. I'd have to drive it. I'd have to see what it would be like to live with. Because they, when you're looking at a car, there's cars from different companies you know, that uh, fit the bill. So if you want a saloon, you've got to, you know, try a Mercedes, try a BMW, try a Ford, try a Chevy, try all your price ranges, try a Toyota or a Nissan. See which ones you like, and then, because uh, every car is different, but even if they're in the same class, they all have got advantages and disadvantages. See what's in your price range. There's not, you're not going to be able to figure that out on some car buying app. You're really not. Unless you're one of these people who's satisfied with like a Jetta or a Camry. You really need to see it in person. But if you're doing things like video games, yeah, why not, uh, if you're not downloading it, why not ship it to your door? Chances are it's a few bucks cheaper online. Or if you're uh, buying something that you don't really have options for, like an Apple product, yeah, sure, you can buy that online. There's no competition to go check out. You know, you know what you're getting. It's not like a size fits you. It's, it's what it is. So different people kind of have different degrees at which they will shop online. It's just interesting to think about. But uh, this is no small fad, online shopping. It's no small fad. This is from uh, Insider. This is Insider.com. It says, uh, the retail apocalypse has claimed 6,000 U.S. stores in 2019 so far. In just the past three and a half months, the U.S. has shut down 6,000 brick-and-mortar stores. That's a lot. It gets crazier. Let's go through the article here. It says the retail apocalypse is raging uh, on with almost 6,000 store closings announced so far in 2019, more than the entirety of last year. That's the big thing. It's not that stores are closing. It's that they're closing exponentially. According to your new report from uh, CoreSight Research, U.S. retailers have announced 5,994, basically 6,000, store closings this year. 
compared with 5,864 closings in all of 2018. So in just three and a half months, we're over 100 more stores closed in this country than we were last year in total. So as if, as if last year's numbers were big, these numbers are astronomical. We could be easily seeing these numbers reach 20 grand this year. Retail, this article says retailers are shutting brick and mortar stores in a bid to save money during what they call the rise of e-commerce. Some stores uh, that you definitely know of that are closing, for example, Family Dollar, Abercrombie & Fitch. They've announced they're closing more than 1,100 stores in just 24 hours in March. Within a day, those companies shut over a thousand stores. It's no fad. It's it's just the way it's going. Other ones like Victoria's Secret, J.C. Penney, Gap. They've announced they're going to shut down stuff too. The apocalypse is here. I'm Loopy. So shopping online, it's uh, it's here to stay. It is not going away. I am always mesmerized, though, as to how they get the two-day shipping to work with Amazon, for example. Like, it's always within two days. And the more I think about it, the more confusing it gets. Smart people run that. Uh, I have no idea. Uh, so stores are closing. Brick-and-mortar stores are closing. It's not like these companies are necessarily going out of business. Uh, it's just that they're moving to online because we can ship things in two days. Like it works, and uh, people, including me, are willing to wait two days for something, even though they could, in theory, go to the mall or go to a strip mall or whatever to actually go buy the thing in person. Like the two-day wait isn't bad enough. I just bought something Sunday night. And it got to my apartment in the morning on Tuesday. In Boone. Out in the boondocks. Quite literally. Uh, but yeah, things are closing. And so far, the first part here of 2019, uh, we've closed more brick and mortar stores than we closed in all, all of 2018. In just three and a half months. It's not a fad. Some brands, for example, this article says, are closing all of their stores. Remember Payless? Yep, February, they were gone. 2,500 stores closed. In April, UBS, uh, a UBS report predicted that 75,000 stores would close across North America by 2026. It said e-commerce would make up a quarter of total retail sales by then. I think that's a low number. A quarter? Part of me thinks it's a, it's a quarter already. But they're saying by 2026, a quarter of everything bought in this country will be bought online. Coresight also noted, uh, however, some retailers were announcing new store openings. After going public earlier this year, Levi's announced uh, it plans to open 100 stores 
this fiscal year, which for them ends in November. UBS predicted that clothing stores would take the biggest hit, facing an estimated 21,000 store closings. 71% of all clothing shops across the U.S. They're predicting 71% of all stores that sell clothing in this country will close by 2026. That's what I don't get. That's where I'm different than people. If I have to try it on, unless it's like a t-shirt, if it's a t-shirt, I'm size large. If it's something else, I have to try it on. I'm going to go to a store for clothes. Other things, I would buy online. Maybe I'm the weird one. Times are changing. By the way, if you uh, tuned in tonight specifically for this, um, thanks for tuning in. I hope you tune in more times. We are giving away two tickets to Merlefest uh, some point between 9.30 and 10 o'clock tonight. So on my go, we will have people by the phone. We'll be giving away two single-day tickets to Merlefest. This will be kind of fun. I've never given away something uh, live before. This will be kind of fun. Merlefest. Uh, if you don't know what that is, check it out, and uh, you might get two single-day tickets. Uh, the Avid Brothers will be there, for example. Here's another interesting thing I found the other day. Uh, something that hasn't happened in a long time because people got kind of scared. But I think it totally, uh, totally should happen. We totally have the technology for this. Have you ever heard of the Concorde, the airplane? If you're my age, you might not have. But I am a dork, so I have. Uh, if you're older, you certainly do. The, uh, the Concorde was a plane that could... Fly faster than anything else commercially. Uh, crossed the Atlantic Ocean faster than anything ever had before. Uh, really showed the uh, potential that flight had that we hadn't seen before. And then it uh, crashed, exploded, kind of, and everybody died. So they stopped doing it. But that was a long time ago. We totally have the technology to make this better. Uh, I don't see why we can't do it. Well, uh, something called the space plane is uh, it's in development. Check this out. This is from the sun. The space plane flies 25 times faster than the speed of sound. And it has just uh, passed a crucial testing milestone. Yeah, uh, it's kind of difficult to get a plane to fly 25 times faster than the speed of sound. Uh, we're still working on that, but uh, the Concorde can kiss the space plane's butt. 25 times faster than the speed of sound is crazy. They're calling it a hypersonic plane. It would be so fast, it could jet from London to New York in less than an hour. Less than an hour. Driving from here to Charlotte takes two hours. You can go from Europe to New York in less than an hour on this thing. Be unbelievable. And it can transport you from the UK to Australia in four hours. Big business wigs right now are going crazy. 
I mean, it's probably understandable that this will be quite expensive uh, when it starts flying. But if this becomes the mainstream way of flying, I mean, people can go across the world a few times every day. I'm Loopy. I'm Loopy. We are now past 9.30, so I'm sure my ratings have skyrocketed because we have Merle Fest tickets here. Uh, don't call yet. I will let you know when we are exactly ready for that. It should be within the next 10 minutes. So if you want to fly super fast commercially, uh, it could happen here within the next little bit. Uh, there's There are several companies, actually, developing airplanes that would fly Stupid fast speed, just ridiculous. Uh, and one, uh, one certain one is called the space plane. That's just what they're calling it right now, partially because it basically flies into outer space. And that's part of why it can go so fast. Oxford-based Reaction Engines has been working with the European Space Agency and the UK Space Agency, along with Bay, Simps- Bay Systems, not a joke, B-A-E Systems. Bay systems uh, to make the powerful aircraft. Reaction Engines has uh, recently been testing what they call a pre-cooler for the plane. It's a technology that would allow it to fly faster than ever before. This pre-cooler is critical in the plane's development because it is required to stop the engine from melting by lowering the temperature of compressed air in the engine. From more than a hun- from more than a thousand degrees Celsius to room temperature. In one twentieth of a second. Yeah, that's, uh, talk about like air conditioning. From a thousand degrees to room temperature in one twentieth of a second. This works, uh, in a very weird way that I can't really wrap my mind around how this would possibly last or work. They say it's thousands of tubes inside the precooler, which are thinner than human hair and contain liquid helium that can cool uh, the air as it rushes past them. See, there are, there are smart people in this world, and then there are broadcasting majors at App State. Uh, until now, heat has been the limiting factor for how fast an airplane can travel. This, uh, this includes the, uh, the famous Concorde. The Concorde, this article says, traveled two times the speed of sound. This new space plane is going to travel 25 times the speed of sound. It's just stupid. It's being designed to draw oxygen into the engine to use for combustion from takeoff until it reaches over 4,000 miles per hour. This thing's just ridiculous. Uh, Specifically, they're developing a new type of rocket. They're calling it the Sabre. It's going to be much lighter than a conventional rocket. uh, Carries less fuel. Draws oxygen into the engine. Once it reaches 4,000 miles an hour, you know, the casual, uh, the engine would need to burn liquid oxygen and liquid hydrogen from onboard fuel tanks. The space plane would need to continue using this process until it reaches 25 times the speed of sound to enter space. There you go, the space plane. And uh, ultimately, they're looking to really just remake the plane system here. 
They want to uh, ultimately have a, a, a reusable vehicle that has the fuel efficiency of a jet engine with the power of a rocket. If you know anything about rocketry, uh, that's crazy. And it looks like, looks like, they might well be on their way. Blowing the Concorde out of the water. We're out of the air. That's morbid. Hey, hey, want to talk about morbid? Kind of, not really. From Wilmington, this is like local. Except not. Wilmington, charges have been dropped against a North Carolina man. This is from NBC News, their national website. Charges have been dropped against a North Carolina man accused of leaving his pet fish behind without food when he was evicted. They're saying that uh, he faced charges for abandoning his pet fish. Fish died. New Hanover County District Attorney uh, Ben David told news outlets Tuesday that 53-year-old Michael Hinson is no longer charged with animal cruelty and abandonment. He says fish aren't protected under related statutes that define animal as amphibians, reptiles, birds, and mammals, excluding humans. If you think about it, legally, what this means, legally, fish are not animals. Officials say Hinson was evicted from his Wilmington home last month. Don't do that, by the way. Uh, and left behind an unhealthy Oscar fish in a dirty tank. He was arrested a week later after officials found the six-inch fish, which is being nursed back to health at an aquarium store. So I guess it didn't die. I spoke too soon, people. You can, uh, you can all exhale now. Sheriff uh, Lieutenant Jerry Brewer said this was... This was the country's first animal cruelty case involving a fish. I mean, yeah, fish are like the starter pets, right? Little kid asks for like a St. Bernard. You're like, we're not going that level yet. We shall get you and goldfish. And, uh, you know, the fish dies within two weeks. We're not going to put little kids in jail for killing little pet goldfish. Uh, anyway, the time has now come, I believe. 828-264-4905, 828-264-4905. I have a pair of tickets to Merlefest and pair of tickets to Merlefest. Uh, you can call 828-264-4905. Uh, the wonderful Lizzie Micahs is on the line uh, looking for a caller to be our winner for today. 828 262 Four nine zero five. Good luck. This is kind of fun. Merle Fest. Avid Brothers will be there, along with many, many, many others. These two tickets are single day tickets. Eight two eight two six four four nine zero five. That can be yours. If you missed tonight, we still got a ton of other chances this week. Check out uh, WSU social media. Or our app for more specifics. I'm Loopy. I'm Loopy. That was kind of fun. Just gave away some uh, some tickets to Merle Fest. And uh, it wasn't a situation where nobody called. I had a feeling that uh, was a possibility. But no, we probably had seven or eight callers. 
I understand Mackey's show, the Mackey move, uh, had something like he he claims seventeen. That's what he claims. Uh, you know, I don't know if I quite, but uh, whenever I reference the Mackey move, I gotta do it. I don't dance now. I make Mackey. Uh, he's on Monday nights, uh, nine to ten. Uh, his show's great. I love it. Uh, Clay Councilman's on it as well. Last week, he actually had, or I guess this week, two days ago, he had the coach of the women's basketball team uh, in studio on the show. And it was she was a great interview. Very fun. Uh, very fun episode. The women's basketball team, by the way, just won the WBI tournament. It is the women's version of the NIT, which is the uh, basically the WBI or the NIT are the tournament's for the teams that don't make it to the NCAA tournament. Unfortunately, we did not make it to the big tournament, but hey, if you're going to go to the smaller tournament, no shame in winning it. Show the world you could have gone to the NCAA tournament. That was also uh, Mackie Gallagher's last game that he would uh, be the voice of the women's basketball team. He was a PA announcer. Fun stuff. So we've learned to not kill our or abandon. The fish did not die. We have learned to not abandon our fish. Uh, but we've also learned that fish are not animals, uh, according to the law. Very See, you learn real things on this show, real usable life things. So if somebody ever calls you a fish, they're really saying you're not an animal. Interesting. Along those lines, it just occurred to me, if fish are legally not animals, then can you be vegan if you eat fish? Just wondering. The same argument I've heard before. James May, actually, very famous. I'm referencing very famous, credible people. James May, uh, if you don't know who he is, you can research him right now. Beautiful old British man. Uh, By beautiful, I mean uh, James May said that chickens are actually glorified vegetables. So, what we've learned today is uh, you can be vegan and eat chickens and fishes. Here we go. Don't abandon your fish. Do not abandon your fish. Uh, Also, don't run the uh, Sinaloa cartel. Don't do that either, because this is what happens. This is from uh, Michael Hulse, theherdnow.com. Juan El Chapo Guzman, he's looking at life in prison at his sentence hearing on June 25th in uh, like two months. After being convicted on 10 criminal counts related to his international drug trafficking ring, the Sinaloa cartel. Once Guzman is sentenced, he'll likely become an inmate. At the ADX Supermax Federal Prison in Florence, Colorado. Sounds like a destination. Honestly. Sounds like a beautiful place. I'm actually looking at a picture right now. If you ignore the ADX Supermax Federal Prison, uh, the mountains are simply stunning. However, this man might not ever see said mountains. Even though he will be there. A former warden of the prison 
says that going to this prison is worse than the death penalty. Which, if you know anything about the Sinaloa cartel, this is uh, very appropriate for this man. Although there are only around 400 inmates at the facility, they include some of the most notorious criminals over the last generation, including the Unabomber, the Shoe Bomber, the 20th 9-11 hijacker, Oklahoma City bomber Trey Nichols, or Terry Nichols, and uh, one of the Boston bombers from the Boston Marathon a few years back. We're talking the highest of high caliber criminals. We're talking literally the worst people who are existing in this country. El Chapo is certainly one of these people. And, uh, yeah. Not, not pretty. The scenery is gorgeous, but, um, if you're the Unabomber or, uh, Zarkar Sharnev, the Boston Bomber, or Terry Nichols, or the Shoe Bomber, you're not enjoying yourself. This is not a vacation. I'm Loopy. I'm Loopy. This music is beautifully ironic. El Chapo. very well may end up in the beautifully scenic ADX Supermax Federal Prison in Florence, Colorado. It's no joke, though. This place is, um, hell on earth is, uh, not an apt description for this place. And it's also not an apt description of the people who are sent to this place. El Chapo, if you don't know about this guy, there are documentaries out the wazoo on this dude. Um, Fascinating, frankly. Uh, He is... There are many mixed emotions on this man. He is a notorious criminal. He's responsible for the deaths of many people. He is also responsible for a massive percentage of the illegal drugs in this country that ruin people's lives. He is responsible for a lot of this. Yet if you go to a lot of parts in Mexico, like where he's from, the Sinaloa, he is a legend. It's bizarre. People don't look at him and say, oh, my goodness, he's like the guy who kills people and like sends drugs into the U.S. and like screws people's lives over. They don't say that. They look at him and say he literally came from nothing and became one of the most powerful people in the world. Which is a 
bizarre way of thinking about it, but it's true. There's some great documentaries out there to, uh, to check it out. He became powerful uh, by means of fear and uh, stealing and killing. But he did go from nothing to one of the most powerful people in the world. That alone, not looking at how he did it, just that concept. It's like storybook type material, you know, like something you'd script. He pulled it off. And there's some crazy, crazy stories along the way. But finally, finally, uh, he was arrested and hasn't escaped yet. Yeah, he hasn't just escaped once from a prison. He's escaped multiple times from prisons. They call him the Tunnel King. He doesn't necessarily dig the tunnels. His people do. And it's... it's ab- just go check out a documentary on this. It is mind-blowing, very interesting, very terrible, frankly, very terrible, very, very interesting. Uh, El Chapo, when we come back, I'm going to dig into what his new probable home is going to be. And you'll have some wonderful roommates, uh, the Unabomber, the Shoe Bomber, the 20th 9-11 hijacker, Oklahoma City Bomber Terry Nichols, and the Boston bomber, Zokar Sarnev. Yeah. Uh, not names you want your children to be, to be uh, affiliated with, necessarily. I don't think, uh, you know. We'll look into what this hell on earth is like. It's not good. There are also documentaries on um, this type of imprisonment. And the kind of crazy things it does to the human mind. But if anyone deserves it, it's this guy. We'll be right back in a second. I'm Loopy. From the Wayne Sumner Studio. How do you think when it says there's a 60% chance of rain? Because usually when there's like a 60% chance of rain, it rains some. Which would mean if it's raining, it's a 100% chance of rain. But it's really a 60% chance of rain. So what is it really talking about when it says 60%? Like if it's 90%, you expect it to rain. But it's 90%. That's not 100%. But we all we all know it's going to rain when it's a 90% chance of rain. So that's 90% as opposed to 100% of what if it's going to rain? I don't know. Broadcasting live in Boone, North Carolina. If, if the average of the Earth is going up by 3 degrees... And Charlotte, North Carolina's average has gone up by like 10, apparently. That means somewhere else is going down 7. This is Loopy Radio, Hour 2. I'm Loopy. It's been, a, uh, it's been a fun day here in the studio. This whole week, we've been having this massive thing for Merle Fest, which is a big music festival. Uh, we've, we have deals with Merle Fest, and they give us tickets that we can give away. So all the specialist shows this week have been giving away a, a pair of Merle Fest tickets each. So I got to do that tonight. First time I've ever given away a prize on air. Kind of fun. Hopefully there are many more years of giveaways uh, in my future. Please. So uh, here the past uh, past half an hour, we've been talking about El Chapo Guzman. One of the most interesting people uh, ever. One of the most documented people of our time. He's quite literally worshipped by many people. 
and finally, it seems like he's been caught and uh, trapped, you can say, for good. Recently, he has been found guilty on 10 criminal counts related to his international drug trafficking ring, the Sinaloa cartel. If you know somebody that has done illegal drugs, chances are those came from the Sinaloa cartel. Which means chances are some of the money that was spent on that went directly to El Chapo Guzman. And that he was ultimately responsible for how that money was spent. And just as a matter of fact, most of the time that money was not spent on good things. This was not a great person. A fascinating person, yes. A great person, no. Not not at all. So it's starting to come uh, come to the forefront here before his uh, sentence hearing on June 25th that El Chapo Guzman might go to the prison of all prisons for the United States. And it's not Guantanamo Bay. People uh, describe this place as life after death. One uh, former warden of this place says it's worse than the death penalty. What we're talking about is the ADX Supermax Federal Prison in Florence, Colorado. Beautiful looking place. Uh, Except it's got a Supermax Federal Prison on it. With some not so beautiful people. An interview ahead of uh, Sharnev sentencing, that's the guy who was part of the Boston Marathon bombing. Former ADX warden James Hood described the conditions as life after death. Prisoners are kept on 23-hour solitary lockdown. Solitary lockdown for 23 hours a day with only one hour of supervised recreation in cages. That's your freedom, quote-unquote, that you get for one hour every day. You get to exercise in a cage. Chances are El Chapo is going to be looking at this sort of deal. If you don't want to end up in a Supermax federal prison in Florence, Colorado... Don't start the Sinaloa cartel. That, you know. Yeah, I'm loopy. I'm loopy. Life after death. That's what uh, people describe El Chapo's probable uh, new piece of real estate. In Colorado. It's currently, uh, it's called the ADX Supermax Federal Prison. Currently it has residents, it has 400 inmates, uh, which include the Unabomber, the Shoe Bomber, the 20th 9-11 Hijacker, Oklahoma City Bomber Terry Nichols, and Boston Bomber Jokar Sarnev. 
Wardens describe it as life after death. Prisoners are kept on a 23-hour solitary lockdown with only one hour of supervised recreation in cages. This is from uh, theherdnow.com. Michael Holes wrote this uh, a little bit back. El Chapo has a history of breaking out of prisons. But it looks like the chances of that happening in the prison that sits in an isolated part of the Rockies is impossible. Not one single prisoner has escaped from the Alcatraz of the Rockies since it opened in 1994. It's, you know, we live in a sad world when these kind of places need to be made. You know, there's something going on that causes people to do something that makes them end up in this kind of place. And El Chapo is probably, probably going to be one of these guys. I think the key reason why this location is being considered for him is the fact that nobody has escaped ever and that it's in an isolated part of the Rocky Mountains. El Chapo has escaped prisons. There are two key ways that he has escaped prisons. One way is through bribery. And the other way is through tunnels or both. The man's not like a fighter. You just look at him and you know he's not hes not a fighter physically. He's not going to beat up guards and run out of prison like a superhero and break through a wall. He's not going to do that. What he is, though, is incredibly powerful. He's one of the most powerful people in the world. He quite literally has an army. And he makes his money selling terrible things in a terrible way. So all of his employees think with the same terrible mindset. And that mindset is willing to ruin people's lives to get this guy out of a prison. One crazy story from a documentary I've seen on this guy. He was in a prison in Mexico that nobody thought he'd escape from. His dudes dug a tunnel several miles long under the tunnel, under the uh, prison. No one had any idea that this thing was being dug. And it popped up in his shower. His shower inside the prison. How on earth do you possibly find where that shower is? Is mind-boggling. And then how do you dig a tunnel that is to the inch perfect, perfectly placed in this shower? And then this isn't a kind of guy that you take your eyes off of for very long. So they knew that once they got him through this hole in the shower, they had a matter of minutes until the tunnel would be found or seconds. So not only did they have to find where the shower was, when he'd be in the shower, where 
to dig the tunnel from so they wouldn't be found. How to get it to the shower specifically. But they had to figure out how to get him out of there as quickly as possible. Not only that, the whole nation, all of North America would be on alert the moment this was found out. Every town in Mexico would be looking for him immediately. So then you've got to have a plan to sneak him somewhere. It's terrible stuff, but it's brilliant. How on earth do you figure this out? And then this is part of why he's a bit of a legend in Mexico. It's, it's, it's not that he's doing great things. It's he's doing impossible things. Impossibly bad, some things, but just impossibly impossible for some other things. And then Mexican forces found a hideout he was at. They actually found it and they raided it when he was there. And he had two tunnels to the compound where he was. One of them was fake. It was decently long, so you thought it was real, but then you get to the end and you're like, it's the end. But there was another one, and that's how he got away. While there was a firefight going on in the house, he snuck through this tunnel and got away. It's unbelievable. It's it's unreal. It's like a movie. College Talk Radio. Loopy without banned substances. I'm Loopy. So the big thing we've been talking about today is uh, the the switch that we've made. We really have made it. And we're starting to see repercussions kind of has like a negative turn to it. But we're starting to see the the changes as a result. It's the switch to online commerce. It's great. I really have no complaints about it. None. Uh, a lot of times it's cheaper. Especially if you buy things in a batch. Get them all shipped in the same package. It can be a lot cheaper. But uh, sometimes I feel like there are things that are inappropriate to buy online. Like a car. Or uh, shoes you've never tried on before. Or clothes you've never tried on before. Or if there are things that have multiple equivalents from other companies and you're not sure which one is the best one to choose. But if you're buying something that you already have in love and you're just trying to replace it, like uh, I had the example of my shoes. I've been wearing the same freaking pair of shoes since the sixth grade. Granted, my foot has grown, but in the past few years, my foot has not grown. And I buy probably one pair of these every, like, 18 months. So I know the shoe. I know my size. I can buy it online. And I do buy it online. But if it's a shoe I've never worn before, I need to try it on. 
And if it's clothes that I've never tried on before, unless it's like a T-shirt, then I know I'm a size large. But for other things, pants, jackets, you never know if it just doesn't fit you right. Ironically, at least for the way I think, which frankly I'm willing to admit that I'm a weirdo, uh, it's predicted. This article is from theinsider.com. It's predicted that uh, tons, and by what I mean are 21,000 clothing stores in the U.S. are expected to close by 2026. 21,000 clothing stores. That is 71% of all clothing stores in the country are expected to close by the uh, 2026. And that's not meaning they're going out of business. That just means they're not having many or any brick-and-mortar walk-in stores. It's all going to be online. Now, you could say, like, hey, Amazon's got this thing, Amazon Wardrobe. They ship you clothes. You can try them on if you don't like them. Or if they don't fit, you ship them back. They don't charge you. Yay. That is true. A lot of times, though, you pay to ship it back. And you could pay a servicing fee for them to put it on the shelf again. Not every situation is like the Amazon wardrobe thing. And that's a multi-day process. So let's say you want a certain jacket. Amazon Prime... They ship it to you in two days. Fantastic. You try it on. Ah, the sleeves are just a little too short. And it's cotton, so it might shrink. E, I might want to get a size bigger so that it lasts longer. All right, so you ship it back. They don't charge you. You wait another two or three days for them to process it and put it back. And then they ship you the size larger. Yay. Guess what? By the time that's all done, five days have passed. Or you could have gone to the store and, like, the Coles or whatever, or TJ Maxx or Belk, and seen all their jackets, seen that jacket there possibly, tried it on, realized the sleeves were just too short, found the other size. And then you can also look at it and see if there are any picks in it or any, like, strings hanging off. Any signs that it wasn't made properly. With online, it takes time, and in a lot of cases, it takes extra money. You know, because there's there'll be some situations where you're like, it's not quite right, but it's going to cost me like seven bucks to ship this back. Is it worth seven bucks to get the right size, or should I just keep this one and stick with it? There's some things that I think aren't suitable for, for online shopping. I did a poll on Facebook here saying, how much do you buy online? 100% of answers, therefore 100% of people in the world said they buy much, many things online. 100%. And uh, coincidentally, 0% said some stuff. 0% said not much. And 0% said none. 
Everybody buys much many. I'm going to be honest. I think only one person answered this poll. Just, I'm going to be honest. But if I answered the poll, which I didn't, but if I did, I would say much many as well. I'm loopy. I'm loopy. I shop online. I spent over $100 online a few days ago. I shop online. These days, kind of when I shop, I shop online. There are some things I would never buy online. Food. Clothes. Cars. A house. Maybe I'd complete the purchase online, but dang it, I'm looking at that house first. Uh, If I know exactly what I want to buy, I will go to the cheapest place possible to buy it. And these days, a lot of times, the cheapest place is online. And uh, it's the reasoning is fairly simple. The company that's selling things doesn't have to have a store and pay a staff, pay rent, utilities. They can just have a warehouse and some people. And when you make an order, they go fetch whatever it is in the warehouse and package it and ship it. Pretty easy. And obviously, uh, with so many people shopping online, stores are noticing this. And uh, the trends are pretty crazy. This is Insider.com is where this is from, Sinead Baker. Saying so far here in 2019, three and a half months into 2019, six, about 6,000 stores have closed in the United States. 6,000. Let's put that in perspective. In all of 2018, 5,800 stores closed. In three and a half months this year, 6,000 have closed. Now I'm rounding. It's really about 150 more stores have closed so far this year than did all of last year. That trend is huge. Uh, this isn't necessarily the way to do it, but let's just multiply that by four because, uh, you know, three and a half times four is about 12 or whatever. There are also other factors of when stores would close. 6,000 times four, that's 24,000. Last year, 5,800 closed. We could see 20,000 stores close this year. This isn't a trend. This isn't like a fad. It's not just a trend. This is like it. Online is it. I don't think it's bad. And the stores that need to be stores, brick and mortar in person, the ones that have to be that way will stay that way because that's how they have to be. Evidence of that is when uh, Amazon bought... Whole Foods. When they bought Whole Foods, they didn't all of a sudden make it so you can buy broccoli online. 
They bought Whole Foods because they knew they couldn't sell broccoli online. And they wanted to get into the food industry because they could. I think that's crazy, though. In just three and a half months. Here's another uh, trend. I've talked recently about like Google Stadia streaming games. Uh, it's coming out this week that both Microsoft and Sony are like, uh-huh, yeah, if this actually works, uh, yeah, we're going to have to make some changes. So all the big companies now, a lot of people are thinking the next consoles to come out from PlayStation and Xbox will be the final consoles to come out from PlayStation and Xbox. That'll be a change. Here's another little change that kind of went under the radar. I didn't know about this till I saw this article, and then I obviously downloaded it and tried it out, and it works fairly well. Microsoft now lets you stream PC games to the Xbox One. Seriously. Not just PC games, uh, anything. You can just stream your screen, phone, computer, tablet. You can stream that to your Xbox. Basically, what this means is your Xbox can now be used as a Chromecast. Basically. It works. Uh, It's got some bugs. It's new. Uh, I believe currently the rating for it is like two and a half stars. I think that's kind of bitter. I think it's more of a three and a half or a four. But, uh, yeah, it was a pretty quiet update. Gamebyte.com says Microsoft has quietly enabled PC streaming on the Xbox One, meaning you can now play Steam games on your Xbox. It's not just streaming, though. They also added some pretty nifty features that are typically really expensive. The news from The Verge is pretty exciting for those who aren't a huge fan of traditional PC keyboard and mouse play. That's the big change. It works with the uh, wireless display app on the Xbox, which allows you to remotely control your PC with an Xbox One controller. Yes, I have done it. Yes, it works. It is uh, is pretty neat. On the app's description page, Microsoft writes the same casting experience available on Microsoft Surface Hub and Windows has finally arrived on Xbox One. Microsoft's wireless display app lets you wirelessly project your Windows or Android-based devices to your Xbox One. The bad news, the app currently has two and a half star rating on the Microsoft Store, with lots of users citing issues with crashing. Kind of to be expected. That's uh, that's what happens. And these kind of apps will crash because they're very dependent on your internet. When your internet doesn't work, it ain't going to work. It works, though, uh, as far as I've used it. And yeah, you, uh, you can use your Xbox controller to browse the internet on your PC. It really works, and uh, try it out. I'm Loopy. Support College Talk Radio on WASU. More at loopyradio.com. I'm Loopy. I'm back again with App State's favorite topic. Unfortunately, uh, I will not have the pleasure this week that I had last week in having my show on 420 Day, App State's favorite day of the year, whether you like it or not. That's just the way it is. 
I got to do a show on 420 Day last year. Unfortunately, I can't this year. Today is 417. But hey, I have some news on marijuana. Uh, this is the first fairly significant thing that I've seen medically against marijuana. There's not much known about this thing, for crying out loud. There's just not. Uh, people have been using it abundantly, hashtag Sinaloa cartel, for a long time. Uh, hashtag El Chapo. Hashtag Supermax Prison. Anyway, uh, people have been using it for a long time and um, say it's fine. States are legalizing it, whether that's medically or recreationally. The federal government has not legalized it. You can assume, though, the next time we have a liberal-leaning Senate and or president, and by liberal-leaning, I mean very liberal-leaning, not just moderate, we will see it uh, probably legalized nationally. Which, frankly, since the states are legalizing it, we might as well legalize it nationally because we're just having a conflict of interest and it's costing us money having it illegal one way and legal the other. You might as well just make it legal so we can stop spending money arresting people for it. You might, you know, you don't really have a choice anymore. But here's like the first thing I've really seen against marijuana. And it's kind of scary. If you think, if you know much about anesthesia, it's kind of scary. NBCnews.com says patients getting surgery may need higher levels of anesthesia if uh, they're regular marijuana users, a new study suggests. After reviewing the medical records of 250 Colorado patients who got colonoscopies and other endoscopic procedures, Researchers determined that regular marijuana users needed more anesthesia than those who didn't use cannabis. In fact, marijuana users needed more than twice the amount of uh, propofol, a powerful anesthetic, a certain type. Anesthesiologists make a boatload of cash, and the reason why is because it's risky by definition. If you give somebody too much, it can kill them. But for surgeries, it's absolutely necessary. If you're getting open heart surgery, you want to be knocked out cold. If anesthesia don't work, just hit me with a baseball bat for crying out loud. I don't want to be awake for that. But the thing is, uh, this specifically was on people getting colonoscopies and uh, other endoscopic procedures. It's not a good surprise to wake up in the middle of a colonoscopy. It's not. I I don't have experience of that. I am making a grand assumption, but I think I'm correct. That's not a good morning. No, it's, yeah. This article says, uh, although marijuana, this is a quote from uh, the study's lead author, Dr. Mark Twardowski who's an uh, internal specialist of the private practice in Colorado. He says, although marijuana has been legalized for recreational and medical use in many states, it's been a very poorly studied substance. 
So we can't say it doesn't have an effect on other medications and substances that patients might be using. It's just a big unknown. He says our story demonstrate our study demonstrates that it seems to have an effect on at least the classes of medication used for sedation for simple endoscopic procedures. That's all they got right now. This thing is not studied much. We really don't know. Twardowski uh, typically starts with a low dose of the sedating medications when he uses them for people and increases the amount until the patient is relaxed but awake and is comfortable during the procedure. The more you take, the more knocked out, quote-unquote, you get. Whether that's a uh, loopy state, for lack of a better term, or all the way until you're unconscious, or all the way until you're dead. That is a state of uh, unconsciousness, right? Yeah. So uh, it's risky and it's difficult, and uh, it's starting to be shown that marijuana is causing doctors to be like, do we need to still give this person this stuff? They're, they're taking it. Twardowski says, uh, usually, usually you know you need more if the patient tells you they're feeling uncomfortable or you notice them starting to grimace. Or start shifting around. But he noticed that people that use marijuana regularly needed a much higher level of sedation. For whatever reason, we don't know. It hasn't been studied. It may be safe, quote-unquote... But that could be because we just don't know what bad it's doing. I'll be right back at the end here. I'm Loopy. I'm Loopy. I may have to continue this story next week. It's a big one. Uh, It's an interesting one. There's really not much that, not that much information out there about marijuana, as common as it can be in some places, uh, like Boone. Uh, it's not that well documented, in no small part because it's been illegal for such a long time. It, it only makes sense. So we're looking at uh, legalizing something because of a cultural movement. That is definitely classified as a drug. I'm not saying that with a bad connotation. I'm like, Claritin is a drug. You know what I'm saying? It's classified as that, as a drug. Um, being legalized because of a cultural movement. Not because of a scientific movement. So... We don't know much about this thing. It's been illegal. So why, you know, why study it that much? You know, you got to put the money toward helpful things like things for diabetics and autoimmune stuff and cancer. So now that it's becoming legalized, we're starting to figure out some things about marijuana. And it's taken me a long time. I'm not searching this out, uh, but it's taken a while for something to come to my attention that seems like a negative Side effect. And it's it seems to be dulling the response to anesthesia 
many people, I don't know what the stat is, but tons of people in this country uh, are directly influenced by anesthesia at some point. We're starting to see for certain types, regular marijuana usage causes certain types to really not work. And you have to basically double the dose in order to get the certain effect that you need. We're just starting to figure some of this stuff out. Dr. Twardowski uh, is starting to figure some of these things out. He's saying he's got the idea for studying uh, marijuana's effects after some users seem to require higher levels of sedation. He and his colleagues uh, reviewed files on patients who had gotten endoscopic endoscopic procedures uh, done between January 1st, 2016 and December 31st, 2017, which was a period when cannabis was legal in Colorado. At an endoscopy center located, uh, yeah, in a hospital in Colorado. Out of 250 patients examined in the study, 25 were cannabis, regular cannabis users, so a tenth. When the researchers compared the records of the 25 to those from non-users, they found increased levels of all three sedatives that had been needed to achieve the right level of anesthesia. Compared to non-users, regular marijuana's required 14% more fentanyl, 20, uh, 19.6% more midozolam, whatever, don't name your child that, uh, and 220.5% more propofol. That's more than double. The other ones are kind of like, yeah, it's a bit more. Fentanyl, 14%. Midazolam, basically 20%. Okay, yeah, maybe that's a trend. Maybe that's not trustworthy. Yeah, here comes propofol. 220.5% more was needed. That's a stat. That's worth looking into. It'll be interesting to see uh, where this kind of research goes in the future. Twardarski said his findings underscore the importance of patients telling their surgeons about marijuana use. Whether you're doing it legally or illegally, if you're about to have surgery and you use marijuana often, tell your doctor. You don't want to surprise your do- your anesthesiologist. Risky business. You don't want to potentially risky business. You don't want to have them not know that. That is substantial. He explained, knowing if someone uses marijuana regularly might affect how we do anesthesia. The fear, Twardowski said, is that increasing those medications might end up pushing high the danger of shutting off the patient's respiration while still not achieving pain control. Basically making it irrelevant. That's what we're looking at. Marijuana could make certain types of anesthesia completely and utterly useless because you'll stop them from breathing long before you achieve them uh, being ready for surgery investigative reporting I did no investigating I just read an article I will be back next week. I have Monday and Tuesday off school, but I'm here Wednesday. 
Thanks for tuning in. I'm Loopy.